I love that verse, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Give thanks. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for Christ Jesus in you. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's God's will for us to give thanks. But just because it's God's will for us to give thanks doesn't mean that it's always easy to give thanks, does it? There are times like the video display when it's hard and counterintuitive to give thanks. I mean, sure, it's easy to give thanks when things are going well at the, at the yes of the engagement. The answered question is yes, that's a great time to give thanks. Or it's great to give thanks at the birth of a child or, or at graduation. There are wonderful times to give thanks to God. But sometimes, sometimes it's very hard to give thanks. Hard to give thanks when we're not exactly sure how the bills are going to get paid. Hard to give thanks when we see that the diagnosis, the dreaded diagnosis has come. Hard to give thanks when we watch a loved one die. How are we supposed to give thanks in the midst of hard times? Of course, if we're really honest with ourselves, the truth is we often fail to give thanks in the midst of good times, don't we? Uh, this last uh, winter, I was uh, roped into coaching my son's, co-coaching my son's soccer team. You see, my son had played outdoor soccer for the very first time this fall, and he had a very nice lady who coached them and loved on them, but they were horrible. <laughs> they didn't win a single game. In fact, many games, they didn't even score. And my son, John, as I'm lacing up his shoes for that final game, he's like, Dad, I don't want to go. And I'm like, why not, John? He says, because we keep losing, and they don't even keep score. So I was like, John, how do you know you're losing? He says, because we never score. <laughs> even at four, he could pick that up, right? So I said, okay, John, that's all right. You know, just one last game. We've got to complete what we, we start. We've got to finish. We make a commitment. Our yes is yes. Our no is no. I start quoting the Bible to my kids if they don't want to do what I say. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we laced him up. Well, at the last game, I'm sitting there with another dad, and we're bemoaning how bad this season has gone. And he said, well, I've actually signed my daughter up for indoor soccer, and I'm going to coach him. I'm like, oh, great. He says, yeah, yeah, you want to help? I'm like, oh, I don't know. He's like, yeah, didn't you say you played soccer? I was like, yeah, I played soccer as a kid. Well, you got to help me. I'm like, well, maybe. Well, he called me, and he left like two or three messages on my phone. So because of his persistence, I said, yes, I'll coach the soccer team. Now, I should have been thankful that God was giving me this opportunity to spend more time with my son, to coach him in soccer, to hopefully bring him to some victories. And I should have been thankful that God was giving me this opportunity to spend more time with other families within the community that I would not otherwise get to meet, and thankful for the opportunity to be a witness of Christ's love. But I didn't do a lot of Thanksgiving. I was bemoaning the fact that now I have this added responsibility to my schedule. I've got to coach this kid's team. And when we got started, my focus was not on on uh, making sure the kids had a good time so much because I was thinking we needed to win some games, right? So my focus was on making sure the kids learned the game of soccer so hopefully we might win some games. And we did win some games. We won a lot of games. But at the end of each game, I never gave thanks to God. I should have. I should have given thanks to God, saying, God, thank you that no child got hurt today. Thank you, God, that everyone had a good time. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity for fellowship. I I never gave thanks until the very end of the season that I give thanks. How often can we be so focused on the task at hand that we miss the blessings that are all around us and we fail to give thanks? How can we make sure that we have an attitude of gratitude, that we are readily giving God thanks for each moment of the day, for the many blessings that he bestows upon us? How can we learn to give thanks even in the midst of the hard times? 
How is it possible for us to have a thankful heart regardless of our circumstances? I believe the answer to that question is found here in Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Please turn in your pew Bible to page 1247. Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Listen to the word of the Lord. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that you, your love may abound more and more with the knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless on the day of Christ." filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Here ends the reading of God's word. As the prophet Isaiah tells us, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me as you pray. Holy Spirit, please speak through me that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts might be acceptable in your holy sight. Through your son's precious name we pray and all God's people said, amen. I thank my God and all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I thank my God and all my remembrance of you. Who do you give thanks to God for today? As you think about your own journey of faith and how you came to Christ, who was it that God used to help bring you here to this moment where you might be worshiping our Lord Jesus together on a Sunday? Who are you thankful for today? As I think about my own journey of faith, I'm most thankful to my parents who insisted that my sister and I go to church every Sunday. They not only insisted that we go to church, they insisted that we go to Sunday school In fact, I grew up understanding that Sunday morning worship was a two-hour commitment, not a one-hour commitment. That's one of the reasons we actually here at First Pres have a a dedicated Sunday school hour, so that our children can be in Sunday school and we can have adult classes as well, so that our children can receive age-directed teaching for them and the Bible stories, and we as adults can gather together in fellowship for the teaching of God's Word and for social interaction and opportunities to discuss the Word of God together. When you think about your journey of faith, Who helped you down the road? Who did God use to help bring you to Him? To help you grow in your relationship with Him? Who are you thankful for? Because the truth is, none of us came to Christ on our own, did we? No, God used someone to help bring us here today. Last week we read Acts chapter 16, the story of how Paul started the church in Philippi, how God used Paul to help bring Christ to the Philippians. Yes, Paul is the one who started the church in Philippi, and so he's the one who helped 
birth this, this early church. And if you'll remember the story, Paul was on his second missionary journey, and he had already traveled uh, as far as he had initially planned to go, and, and he was in Troas. And, and guided by the words of Jesus, he prayerfully asked the Spirit might lead him in helping make disciples of Jesus. As Jesus commissioned all of us to go and make disciples, and so he's praying that God might guide him, and, and, and he has this vision of a Macedonian man. And then he shares this vision with his fellow missionary com- com- uh, compadres and talks to them about this vision of a Macedonian man, his missionary companions, and he tells them about it, and they say, yeah, God's calling us to go to Macedonia to bring the gospel to them. And Macedonia was this region, of course, and it's a part of Europe, and it was the first time Paul ever went to Europe to bring the gospel, and God leads him to the city of Philippi, where they, they start the church with a woman named Lydia, and God immediately brings fruit to their ministry as they share the gospel with the Philippians, and they openly receive it to the glory of God. Now, most scholars believe that Philippians, the letter we're reading today, was actually written by the Apostle Paul while he was in prison in Rome around 60 AD. Paul is in prison, and he's in prison, and he writes, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the... Oh, that's the wrong text. (laughs) That was Ephesians. I was like, that's weird. (laughs) I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. There's the word I was looking for, joy. That's not Ephesians, Philippians. Joy. He writes about the joy he has while he's in prison. Paul has been flogged. He has been stoned and left for dead. He is now in a prison cell, and he says, I pray with joy. How's it possible for for Paul to have joy? How is it possible for Paul to have joy in the midst of the difficult struggles he's going through? He has joy because he's received a gift recently from the Philippians, this faithful church. He writes in verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He's grateful to God for the Philippians and their partnership in the gospel. Now, the Greek word for partnership there is the same term that would have been used in a business to talk about a business partnership, how people would mutually invest in some type of business and they would share the burden of the failure or the success of that business together. They were both bought in. And he looks at the church in Philippi and he sees that they are bought in. They're committed to following Jesus. They're committed to to the ministry of Christ, to sharing the gospel, and they've supported me through prayers, and now financially they continue to support me. And so he's blessed, and he gives God great joy for their generosity, for their faithful partnership in the gospel. But they're committed to making disciples and living as disciples of Jesus. Their faithfulness makes Paul grateful that the ministry that he had had among them was not in vain. But the seeds of the gospel that he planted in their church so many years ago has begun to flourish and bear fruit. And for that, he gives thanks. Who are you thankful for today? How has God used you to help bring the gospel to someone in your life? How has God used you to help be an instrument of grace to others? Who are the people in your life that God has used to help bring to Christ? You ever heard of Edward Kimball? Anybody? Edward Kimball? Last service, there was one person at Edward Kimball. I've never heard of Edward Kimball until I began to do research for this sermon. Edward Kimball was a Sunday school teacher. Edward Kimball was a Sunday school teacher to young boys who helped bring a, a young man named Dwight L. Moody to Christ. And Dwight L. Moody and the Moody Bible Institute is helping, was responsible for helping bring millions and millions of people to Christ. No one really knows about 
Edward Kimmel, but they can see the fruit of his ministry in one Dwight L. Moody. God used Edward Kimball to have a deep impact for the kingdom of God simply because Edward Kimball was willing to teach a Sunday school class to young boys. This past week, we had 170 children involved in our vacation Bible school. So excited about that. Just to give you an idea, normally in an average year, we have about 120. This year, we had 170. So thanks be to God for Cindy Roten, our children's director, and Debbie Lauer, our early childhood director, and of course, Stuart Smith, our pastor to youth and young families, and, and uh, Tiffany Clements, and, and uh, Eric Kirby, and our entire kids' ministry team, and the 60 lay leader volunteers who helped make that ministry happen. The seeds of the gospel were planted in the hearts of so many young people just this past week. 170 kids. That's truly amazing. Now, it may be years before we realize the impact Vacation Bible School had on these little children, the hearts of these little children, but you know, we may have a, a young Dwight L. Moody among us. Who knows? But what an opportunity that we have each and every Sunday, not just Vacation Bible School, but each and every Sunday to help plant the seed of the gospel of God's grace in the heart of a young person. George Barner, church statistician, has helped us see that the most receptive demographic to the gospel of grace are children. Our children. In fact, he's discovered this. The chance of a child between the age of 5 and 12 of coming to Christ is 32%. The chance of a child in the United States coming to Christ between ages 5 and 12 is 32% in the United States. However, when that child turns 13, the chance of that child becoming a Christian, once they turn 13, 4%. It goes from 32% to 4%. Obviously, something happens when they go to junior high. I'm not sure what. (laughs) Puberty kicks in or something. I don't know. But the point is, is that we've got to do all we can to help reach our young people with the gospel of Christ so their lives might be forever changed. I want to thank our 60 volunteers who helped make VBS happen this week. But you don't have to wait till VBS to volunteer with our children's ministry. As I shared earlier, we have a a combined Sunday school hour every Sunday from 9.45 to 10.45. You can volunteer with our children's Sunday school classes. I actually did this for the month of January. I taught uh, the children's Sunday school classes. It was a great joy for me to teach these young children the biblical truths and stories. And then we had a little skit that they would act out from biblical times. And it was just a great experience to see how these kids' eyes were open and their hearts were warm to the good news of God's love and how they, they walked away knowing, yes, Jesus Christ alone is Lord and And I'm going to follow him. That simple truth was able to be given to them in in one short hour. As the Apostle Paul writes in our text this morning, in verse 6 of Philippians, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You want to know what the secret is to having a thankful heart in the midst of life's circumstances? I believe the answer is found in verse 6. Let me read that one more time. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul has joy despite the circumstances of his imprisonment because Paul knows that Jesus is alive and he's still at work in his life and the lives of the people around him. I don't know if you've noticed the little icon we have for this new sermon series. Uh, It's called Joy. 
uh, Kara Hunt has put together our communications director, this wonderful icon to help us kind of get a sense of what the sermon series is about. You'll notice that around the word joy are are words like fear and loneliness and gossip and and cancer and, and addiction and disaster and disappointment and uncertainty. And these are the things that often surround our lives. There are circumstances that are beyond our control. And yet in the midst of that, we can have great joy. Joy in capital letters. Why was it that Paul was able to have great joy? Because, Jesus, because Paul knew that Jesus is alive. That O is a view of the cross through the lens of the empty tomb. If you read Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, he says that while I was with you, I claimed to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In Philippians chapter 2, he will soon be talking about the cross of Christ. For it's the cross of Christ that Paul knows that our sins have been atoned for. And it's at the empty tomb that we are able to see clearly that Christ has defeated sin and death on our behalf through his resurrection. And this apostle Paul encountered the risen Jesus on the road to Damascus when he was going to go kill Christians. Jesus met him. And Jesus loved him. And Jesus forgave him. At the cross of Christ, Paul knows that his sins have been atoned for. At the resurrection of Christ, Paul knows that Jesus is still alive, still doing a great work in him and in the lives of those he ministers to. So if Jesus had simply died on a cross, there would be no hope. But Paul encountered the risen Jesus. He knows that Jesus is alive. And as he looks with the eyes of faith around, he can see that God is at work even while he's in prison. God is at work helping minister to the prison guards. Yes, Paul knows that Jesus is coming back. Coming back one day, the day of Christ, as Paul writes in verse 6. He says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. The day of Jesus Christ is that final judgment day when Christ will return and he will make all things new. And as we read in Revelation chapter 21, God will wipe away every tear. There'll be be no more death, no more mourning, only praise. Paul has joy because he knows with each new day, he's a little bit closer to the day of Christ. And Paul, as we can see in this letter, has developed the habit, the spiritual practice of offering thanksgiving despite his circumstances. Notice that the first part of Philippians chapter 1 is is really, it's a prayer of thanksgiving. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. He doesn't thank the Philippians for the gift they've given him. He says, I thank my God in all remembrance of you. Because Paul knows, as James tells us in chapter 1, that all good things come from the Father of heavenly lights. Paul begins his prayer with thanksgiving, thanking God for the Philippians and their generosity towards him. And he continues to offer thanks. And then finally, he gets to the supplication at the end. Verse 9, he says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Paul is careful first to offer thanksgiving and then supplication. Yet in our prayer lives, how often are we quick, very quick, to offer prayers of supplication? Lord, help me. Lord, I need this. Lord, be with this person. Lord, heal this person. Rather than taking the time first to offer God thanks. For I believe that through the spiritual practice of offering prayers of thanksgiving, first, we begin to see how God has been at work. We begin to remember the faithfulness of God, that his love endures forever, as Psalm 136 told us at the first of the service, as Nancy read just a moment ago. That God is with us. 
And God is moving, and Jesus is alive, and because he lives, we know that we too shall live, that this life is not all there is. As we offer thanks for that, then we can move to supplication, knowing that the same God who raised Jesus from the dead is the same God who holds us in the very palm of his hands, and he will be with us, he'll never leave us, nor forsake us. So that we might experience the joy of the Lord, I want us to take just a moment during the sermon this morning to offer a prayer of thanks. You may have noticed that inside your bulletin there's this little card that says, Dear God, I'm so thankful for. What are you thankful for today? Who are you thankful for? I want us to take just a moment during this service to offer a card, a prayer of thanksgiving to God. And as you fill this out, and Norman's going to play here in a moment just to uh, come thou fount of every blessing by the organ. And as he plays that, I just want you to prayerfully Thank God for what he's given to you, the people that he's brought to your life, the people that you've been able to minister to, and all the many blessings that God has given to you. And then later in the service when we offer our tithes and our offerings, make make this a part of your offering to God today. Now I want you to know ahead of time, I I will read all these cards that are given to me and I'm going to use them as a part of the sermon series to talk about what we have to be grateful for. So if you want to keep it anonymous, that's fine, I don't need to put your name on it. Or if you don't want to turn in for other reasons, that's fine too. But if you'd like to, I would encourage you to offer it as a part of your offering to God this morning. When we give thanks to God out of gratitude for what God has done for us. So Norman, please play and guide us as we spend some time giving thanks to God. I don't know about you, but it didn't take long for me to fill out this car with a lot of names. 
a lot of people that God has used to help bring me to Christ, to help me grow in my faith and the journey of faith. I pray that my name is on somebody's list as well. How might God use you to help minister to others with the gratitude and out of gratefulness for what God has done for us? How might God use us to minister to the needs of others? I've personally found that as I spend time focusing on giving God thanks, the worries and the troubles of this world have a way of fading away. They they don't disappear. They're still there. I'm aware of them, but they don't master my thoughts. Now, as I look at the cross of Christ and the empty tomb, I am reminded that God is with us and for us in Jesus Christ. He's conquered sin and death on our behalf, and one day Christ will return to make all things new, and for that, we must give God thanks. Please join me as you pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for the great gift of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth to be for us the way, the truth, and the life. We thank you, Lord, that he paid the price for our sins, and on the third day he rose again, proving to be victorious over sin and death on our behalf. And we give you thanks, O Lord, for the way your Holy Spirit has used so many different people to help draw us closer to you, to help us in our journey of faith. And we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you might use each one of us to minister to the needs of others so they might know the good news of your Son, so they might experience your love firsthand through us. Lord, help us to have an attitude of gratitude as we seek to follow the example of the Apostle Paul who focused on giving thanks first. May we always give you thanks. In your son's name we pray and all God's people said, amen.